You're listening to the Baird and Baird Podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Baird and Baird Podcast. And uh, I feel like this is like, when I do this, I feel like it's like ESPN. Welcome to the Baird and Baird Podcast. But um, anyways, we're excited to be here with you again. Uh, I got my dad, uh, Dr. Kevin Baird, uh, here. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the topic of revival. Let's talk revival. Uh, revival is, well, it's a, it's a, it's a big word. Uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of churches, I think it was one of those words, it was one of those things where, um, like, the charismatic Pentecostals were the only ones who had it for like a lot of years. They like took claim to the word revival. You know what I mean? Like old Church of God tent meetings, tent revival. Oh yeah, and then they were scheduled. Yeah, I mean, on, yeah. even on the calendar, and that you uh, planned for revival. Right, but so now right. I think now I think it's a word that um, even even more. I, I don't know what you say. More modern, uh, even even seeker sensitive style of churches are like. Using or, or including, uh, you know, here and there, and so, anyways, it's kind of this word that's come back around again. Yeah, seeker-sensitive uh, revival. Yes, and so <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying, but I would, anyways, I would love to see that. I, I mean, would like. I, I would. Go I believe to that. it's out there though. But um, and so, anyways, it's a it's a it's a word. It's a, it's an it's a word that's kind of come back. Um, even the word awakening, uh, and and the two at times are interchanged, so to speak. And, and what we want to talk about today is just, let's talk about revival. What is revival? Um, how does it happen? Uh, how do you steward it, maybe, when it does happen? Um, what are the byproducts? What sh- what's the outcome of revival? What should be happening? So we're just going to like talk a lot about it, all this kind of stuff. So um, the first question I'll ask you, Dad, is um, maybe let's just talk about the difference between revival and awakening, because sometimes people use the terms interchangeably, but are they the same thing? And, uh, you know, and so food, you know, food for thought, so to speak, but let's talk about it. Well, we do use these words, and of course, everybody that has any concern about the uh, spiritual vitality of their community, uh, you know, state, nation, yeah, you'll hear this all the time, man, we need to pray for a revival. What is it, Second Chronicles seven fourteen? you yeah. know, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. The Lord says, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And so we all say, boy, do we need that. Right. We, we need this. And, and you're right that the two words get uh, interchanged. Again, these things aren't bad, aren't evil. Uh, you know, Clay, because you grew up in my household and you kind of know uh, how I am. I, I like precision. I, I like things to be defined, yeah. you know, with some precision. It's not it's not that, uh, you know, you can't use words and terms uh, in well-meaning ways, but I, I do think it's important that we sort of understand what we're talking about. Revival tends to be, uh, biblically and historically, that which is, um, well, revived, or, or not necessarily dead, but brought, brought back, back to Restore- life. Okay, okay, sort okay. Of. So when we're talking about revival, like if there was a revival in ancient Israel, what that meant was that they would go and they would tear down the high places, uh, they would, you know get rid of their idols and all the things that they were doing from pagan nations, and they yep. would they would restore uh, the worship of Yahweh, or they would see restored the worship of, of God in appropriate fashion. And so we would say there was a revival. In fact, uh, when I was going through school and we were studying the Old Testament, we talked about revivalist reformer kings, um, and there were certain kings in Israel's history. Some of them were evil. Some of them were great. Some of them were kind of, you know, yeah. so-so. But revival was, here are the people of God, and they're being renewed again 
to their first love, their passion, their fervency, um, you know, their, their, their disciplines, their holiness, their, their consecration, whatever word sanctification, yeah. whatever words, these things are being revived. In other words, they weren't gone necessarily, but they were certainly dormant, and it needed to be revived. And so when I use the term revival, I, I often use it and think of it in terms of the church. Yeah. You know, the church may be a little stagnant, apathetic, lethargic, and it needs revival. Maybe it's kind of lost its way, or it, it, there are those seasons it needs reviving. Yeah. That's that word. Now, awakening for me, uh, because of my work that's been done in cultural reformation, or civic engagement, I see awakening as something that takes place really outside the church. Now, it's not that there won't be those inside that need awakening, but outside the church, there's an awakening. In other words, there's there's blindness, and they need to be awakened. Right. And the Scripture clearly says that, that the blind are those that don't know God, they're mm-hmm. away from God, and they need this awakening that literally begins to affect the um, civic climate. In other words, when awakening takes place, there could be a revival in a church yeah. that produces an awakening. And so the revival causes people to be fervent in their passions again, but the awakening is That's when good. all of a sudden the Spirit moves out into the community and things that are just... Well, let me just—maybe there's an area of town that's known for prostitution or drug sales or whatever, you know, and all of a uh, sudden—or murder. All of a sudden, that goes away, or those rates drop precipitously and unexplainably. I know of a church, for example, in Oakland, California. This is back in the late 80s, and uh, that's exactly what happened. I mean, they're passionate, fervent. We called them charismatics in those days. Yep. Revival hit, and they were going into the streets, and literally the Oakland police asked for that church to come do worship services in neighborhoods because they would watch all of the, the vice uh, drop precipitously. Wow. And wh- why is that? There's no other explanation aside from the Spirit of God was at work causing an awakening, and it was driving those elements out. Now, we see that all through history as well. I could take you through certain revivals and awakenings all across the globe, and you will see uh, there was a a revival that took place in Wales uh, at the turn of the 20th century, and it talks about how people were praying, the Holy Spirit came to the community, and the bars were shut down, uh, uh, all those sorts of things. It changed, and uh, the whole climate of the community changed because of the moving of the Spirit of God. Now, these are the things that if you're passionate about God, yeah. you would love to see because it isn't. It didn't have anything to do with politics. It didn't have anything to do with legislation. It didn't have anything to do in this area. It was just God sovereignly dropping His hand on a community and saying, "I'll take care of it." Yeah. And so th- these things are important. They're certainly biblical, and there are things we should be interceding and praying for to take place today. So then, let me ask you this: Obviously, you referenced already the scripture about humbling ourselves, praying, turning from wickedness, and then the Lord responding. So, is revival like can we can we actually do anything to bring revival, or is revival oh. just solely whether <laughs> the Lord wants to do it or not? Like is I mean, I, I think most of us would may I don't know, I guess there's a lot of different listeners, so I don't want to say most of us, but I don't know, some people might think that there's things we can do that would force God's hand to bring revival. Uh, others might say you could never force God's hand. He does what he wants, he when he wants, all this kind of stuff. So how does that all work? Yeah, this this one isn't going to be an easy answer yeah. to anyone, and I'm not trying to please two groups of people when I say this, yeah. but it's it's revival is sovereign, yeah. which means God's in control of it. Yeah. 
but we have responsibilities. It's like it's a lot like salvation. It's like God's sovereign in salvation. Yeah. But we've got to respond to it. And so there's always this dicey issue of how God's sovereignty works with our freedom. Yeah. And and anybody that tries to tell you that they have an easy answer to that, then they need to write a book or do a class because I don't know of an easy answer because we all know that I make certain decisions that have certain repercussions and yet we all know God's sovereign and he can do what he wants when he wants and nobody can stop him. Right. So when it comes to revival, there's been this sort of tension that has existed. There have been those who have said, no, this is sovereign. This is, you know, you can't, you can't plan revival. You can't put it on a calendar. We already talked about the churches we grew, you grew up in. I mean, we would set in one of the one of the denominations I was a part of, we set two weeks aside, one in the spring, one in the fall, and that week was revival. It's yeah. like, hey, God, here's the calendar. This worked into our schedule. Send revival. Well, that was probably presumptuous. But where that came from was a guy by the name of Charles Finney. Yeah. And Finney maintained that if you adhered to certain biblical templates and applied them with prayer, that revival could be solicited from the hand of God. And, of course, many people critique Finney heavily on this regard, but, but they would say that, uh, uh, but he would say that, that God is almost obligated to the Scripture mm. in order to produce the revival. Now, I, I don't like everything Finney said. I'm not an apologist for Charles Finney. I understand Finney's problems with yeah. regards to some of the things he advocated. But I understand how he got there because we believe that to be true, too, that we believe that if we preach salvation, God is obligated on his word that if someone came forward, he would save them. Is that not true? Yeah. And so I get how they make the theological leap to those two. But, but what the problem came into it is that Finney developed the concept of the front man. He'd send, he'd send someone into a city. They right. would gather up people to pray and prepare the way spiritually until Finney came in and preached the meetings and, and people would get saved. And, of course, that birthed out of that a lot of modern community evangelism, uh, Billy Graham being one who yeah. nobody nobody's going to touch Billy. Uh, but that's what he would do too. Uh, Swagger did that years ago in his massive meetings. He would send, and they would pray, and as they would pray, he would come into that town, and revival, how we would define it, mm-hmm. took place. Now, how do we know if real revival took place? The only way yes. you can measure that is by the fruit. Right. What kind of fruit took place after those meetings? Yeah. And, and to me, that's, it's almost impossible to define whether or not you're in a revival the moment you're in it. That's really... Okay. I, yeah, I fully agree with that. I think that... So so a couple thoughts I'm having is, number one, I think for some churches, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, networks of churches or even denominations or whatever, ha- has revival just become synonymous with conference, but they just didn't want to say conference, so they just... Let's just use a more spiritual word, and that's really what they mean. And, and so that's kind of, like, I, I think they're all hoping—this is just me processing out loud. Everyone's hoping a massive move of God happens at the meeting that you've scheduled on the calendar. But right, in an effort right. to make it seem like a more spiritual meeting, we just didn't want to use the word conference, so we're just going to go with the word revival and to make it right. seem more passionate or, or whatever. Or energetic yeah. or edgy. And so, so sometimes or spontaneous. I think, so, so sometimes I think the word is just getting used as a as a word to define an event on the calendar, and and so maybe there's, but maybe there is a a, a more um, preciousness to the word 
than it just being synonymous with conference. Yeah. Well, here's where I am, and this is my personal—I'm going to give you personal opinion and personal passion at this moment. Nobody else is going to be attached to this probably but me. But I have have a burden, passion to recover appropriate biblical language and definition. Yeah. You know for a fact grace is biblical. Yeah. Grace has a definition, but grace is getting preached not under appropriate biblical definitions in our era. I could go down the list of all different sorts of things. Legalism. <laughs> yeah. what, what is real legalism? Legal, legalism is not, you know, obedience. Yeah. <laughs> if the Bible calls you to be <laughs> obedient, and, and, and I preach that, that doesn't mean I'm a legalist to you. Right, right. I, I'm asking you to just to adhere to the, to the Scripture. So there's all these words in our era that are getting convoluted and twisted, and we got to recover these words. Yeah. And, and they've got to mean something real, not just because it's trendy, it's neat, it, you yeah. know, it fits in an alliteration or whatever. Right. So, and revival is one of these words. And to, to continually uh, promote, uh, in my opinion, a revival, and, and yet everyone will evaluate what takes place at that and then associate that with the word, mm. then what happens is do you, do you not diminish... You misappropriate the word, yeah. ...what revival really is. And, and, and again, I'm not... Nobody's doing this ill-intentioned. Nobody's doing this yeah. with nefarious thoughts. They, 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 we desire revival. When I was calendaring revival on the calendar two weeks out of the year, yeah. th- there was nothing nefarious about that. Yeah. I wanted God to move. We were praying that God would move. And we had some incredible weeks. Yeah. Of, of services. But the fact of the matter is, I don't know that revival actually took place. I think we had an impactful, important series of meetings, and we just called it revival because that's what historically we called it because of certain yeah. issues from Finney and others that came along yeah. that we just picked up and we just did. Yeah. And, and so awakening is another one. Awakening is just, you know, right. it, we want to see awakening. And again, in our circles, there's the, the confession that takes place in faith beforehand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to confess or declare or believe certain things beforehand, which is legitimate and which is biblical. And, and yet I'm not sure that it can actually be historically uh, uh, authenticated yeah. unless there are certain fruits and repercussions that begin to flow uh, yeah. You know, off that, well, let's, so, off that so, event or concept. I'll ask you in j- just a second. So let, let's talk about what the maybe what some of the signs of revival and awakening should be, like the the product of revival. Like, and, and I'll let you speak to that. And I think for my generation, uh, what what we've maybe seen is is just what you said. It's like we constitute revival as. Uh, an event that was on the calendar, right? And I love, obviously, you know, right now we're in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, in the U.S., and uh, and and I, uh, you know, I think about our pastor here at Celebration Church, Pastor Stovall Weems, who I have a great amount of respect for, um, who recently has challenged our church with this word revival. Yes. Uh, and 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 the question he brought up was, hey. Is revival five thousand people once a year at a city venue, or is revival perhaps five thousand homes honoring God, walking in wholeness every week in a city? Like, like which one is oh, it? Absolutely. I think for my generation, it's it's been the first one. It's we've we've associated it with a gathering, a large gathering that happened once a year in a big venue, and you bring in some speakers and some bands, and it was great worship. And and hey. God moves, people get saved, phenomenal word is preached, all that kind of stuff. 
And then it was like, obviously, after two or three days, you just wake up, and now it's like, well, the revival's over because it, it just happened over the last three days, but now it's done. Right. And, and obviously, Pastor Stovall, uh, in the last year, has really been challenging our church to think differently about some of these concepts. And I, I really appreciate that because I do think it's getting back to the, the true definition of what revival actually does uh, in, in the sense that it's not just a two- or three-night event. It should be something that, that produces a fruit that is lasting, that, that believers and, and those who are coming into the faith are now walking differently. They're walking in a new pattern of wholeness, righteousness, all, all this kind of stuff. It, it wasn't just, that band was great, and thanks for signing my T-shirt, and I cried in the altar. But but it's it's certainly done a deeper work in the city in the region even yeah and so uh, so what do you think some of the products of uh, revival look like yeah and let me just affirm what you said because I'm I'm I just recently moved here we you know transitioned our church right. and our assignment and we came here to live closer to uh, our children and grandchildren and so we've attended obviously your church and so I've been this pair of outside eyes that just gets to enjoy what's going on. And uh, I've listened and, uh, and I've watched, and I think Pastor Stovall is making some incredibly important distinctions. I think it's a great question yeah. that he asked. It's an important distinction that he asked, and I will tell you from someone, and again, I, I'm, I'm not notable by any stretch of the imagination. I've been in a few circles, been in some amazing meetings, uh, yeah. been a conference speaker myself. So, I, I mean, I got a little, I, I have just enough experience to be dangerous. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. so, but I, I can tell you that as I've sat here, I've communicated with my friends, and I've said, "Hey, listen, something is stirring here yeah. at this local church in Jacksonville. There's there's a stir here. Now, our problem is is that again, we are we have been so we have been so ah, what's the word? I don't know. We've been so trained, inculcated. I don't know what the word is. We've been we've been so uh, just just focused on this revival, dramatic, blast atmosphere yeah. that I, I don't think we totally get what it's looked like through the years. Okay. Now, let me give you an example. I'm going to give you, like, the Great Awakening. You've right. all, everybody's heard of the Great yeah. Awakening here in America. This is back in the 18th century, the mid-1700s, and a couple names, Whitfield, George uh, yep. Whitfield was one, and the other one, Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. A lot of people don't know this. He pastored a church in Northampton. Okay. Uh, Massachusetts, and in his church, as this is where some of the the roots of awakening took place. Now, get this: he writes in his journal that, of course, there were some manifestations that took place in the church. But you see, when we begin to think about that, we think, "Oh, he must have been pastoring this large church, and it must have been an amazing meeting." Yeah, and you know, with the music and the <laughs> and yeah. all the things. No, we're talking mid seventeen hundreds. Right. I don't know that they had any musical instruments in there, probably yeah. singing a cappella terribly yeah. out of out of hymnals with with songs that we none of us would know because they hadn't even been written yet. Yeah. And he talks about three people falling under conviction of the Holy Spirit and giving their life to Christ. And this is the definition now of an awakening. Wow. Now would that fit your definition? Yeah, no, 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 no not mine. Modernly no, no. people uh uh no 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 we in fact that's a low wednesday night service you know <laughs> exactly what I mean? like, but i started reading edwards journals when he started writing about the fruits of this yeah awakening and i'm going this is this is not what we would normally 
define this. And of course, it was it was continuing to happen, but this is not how we would define it. We would define it like Whitfield. Whitfield would go out into the to the uh, 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 pasture land, and, and there'd be ten or fifteen thousand people that would wow. show up. Now, you imagine in that day and age, no amplification. Uh, nothing of that nature, and he would stand with 10,000 people. Benjamin Franklin attended one of his meetings, and after it was done, he actually measured it off, and using mathematics, he figured out there had to have been almost close to 30,000 people at one of his meetings, and he said that you could stand at the back and you could hear Whitfield clearly. Could you imagine that? Now, we know how big the arena is here, and could you imagine no amplification and just talking to people and trying to make sure the people at the top row, and I don't know what it seats there, but not 30,000, I know that. No, no, no. Uh, And and so there's something supernatural that has to happen in order for it to be defined revival. Now, again, I believe there's, at at this location, there's a stir that's going on, and uh, I've told this to your mom. I've told this to others as I've communicated. I said, man, you need to check this out because this could be in a couple years yeah. defined historically as a revival. Now, I understand how it, how it may get uh, promoted. Again, all, yeah. all great. But from a scholarly sort of a uh, uh, historical viewpoint, it's probably going to take a couple years. But his question is absolutely on target. And that is, if you can get 5,000 people in their homes practicing their faith yeah. with discipline, with passion, with fervency, with, with sincerity and, and, and genuineness, have mercy. Historically, that would be phenomenal. Yeah. It, it, it's just not happening yeah. anywhere well, in America here, that I'm aware of. Here, well, and here, here's the dilemma. If, if we only associate revival with nights or days of services in a building, what happens when and if the day comes when we don't have a building anymore? You know, sh- should the Lord tarry and things get worse in the earth and attack come against the church? And in the West, let's say, obviously it's already happening in many other countries, but like in the West and all of a sudden buildings get shut down. If, if a revival in our minds is associated with what happens in the building and now there's no more building, does that mean there's no more revival? Like that's the, that's the logic that we right. have to use. Is revival, is, is revival determined on whether or not you have a large building? Obviously, no. I, I think any of us who have smart logic, no. I mean, like, early church, you know, I mean, you know, we look at Acts. We look at some of what was happening as Paul writes uh, to some of these young church planners like Timothy, you know, like, man, there's revival happening. There's an awakening happening in these cities amongst Jews and Gentiles and people coming into the faith. And uh, I think anyone would maybe ascribe some of those words to what was happening right. in the New Testament, are they all gathering in the massive Colosseum to, you know, hear, hear Paul come and— del- No, absolutely not. There's no building. You know what I mean? Like, they would gather in homes, and they would do things like that, but, but that's what I'm saying. Here in, in my generation, and I'll just speak for my generation, that's what we've done. We've appropriated the word revival and awakening to what happens in a building, um, not understanding that those words are bigger than the building— and, uh, and and they're capable of, of being had and experienced outside of just right. two-night large gatherings. And there's longevity yes. to, to both those words. It's not—see, again, we read uh, Acts chapter 2 uh, through 4, right. and we see these incredible numbers coming into the life of the church, yeah. which, which goes to the point that God is not, has zero problem with numbers. Um, you know, two, uh, two, three thousand, five thousand families. I mean, we're talking big numbers. 
And I think what we do is we, we conflate these large gatherings as the evidence of revival. Look at the people right. uh, that came. The evidence of revival in, was the upper room with 120, and the faithful fruit that begins to flow out of that group uh, that could not be stopped. Yeah. Um, now, there was going to be adversity. There were going to be ups and downs and all arounds. But the fact of the matter is, is that we, we can't just define it. We have to see God's, God's hand has to be distinguished in this thing because yeah. at the end of the day, the bottom line is that his name is to be made great. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, it is he who receives all glory and honor. Yeah. And and this is the part of revival and awakening. It's not an awakening to church life. It's not it's not a revival of program. It's yeah. it's unto him. It's like what we were talking right. about in one of our previous episodes. It revives the first love, the the passion we have for Jesus. And if that's not in the equation, then we've just usurped a word for something that's probably our own, you know, our own doing. Yeah. So, do you think that there's uh do you think that because because revival has been uh, uh, appropriated with large gatherings, maybe you know here recently in in the last decade or two, do you think that there's some pastors who pastor in small areas who have who have almost felt like we'll never have revival because we're just a small church? And and do you think it's almost done? Uh, a harm because because the word has been defined wrongly, maybe in some circles. Do you think it's almost discouraged some guys of feeling like we'll never be a part of an awakening, we'll never be a part of a, revi- a revival because we're only a small body of believers here, and and those things equate to large bodies of believers. Like, do you yeah, think it's well, ever discouraged un- anyone? Undoubtedly, that it has attached itself to what we feel like is modern definitions of. Success. If if revival is synonymous with success, yeah. then you don't understand revival. Yeah, um, I I can tell you now that that even churches that have had genuine revival, um, when it's all said and done, uh, it takes its toll. Yeah, on a congregation. I mean, true revival, uh, because it 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 just has so many features to it. God. In revival, God is certainly stirring his people, but he's also probably, not probably, he is. He's cleansing his house. He's, yeah. he's doing all sorts of things. He's pruning, he's pruning people's lives, and he's pruning his church. I mean, there's so many features of revival that are going on that when you begin to pray for revival, you better be sure you know what you're asking for because you're just not asking for, Lord, give me bigger crowds or give me more people because that's the part of revival that's I good. like. But if you're praying for revival, you got to understand that that there, there's going to be plumb lines that are going to be dropped. There's going to be a standard that's going yeah. to be renewed. There's going to be holiness that's going to be expected, and and these things will be challenging uh, to many many people. Again, it's not again it's not legalism. It's not man's doing. But this is God coming on the scene saying, "I, the Lord, right. have expectations, right? And I'm I'm going to fan the flame." And some of you will embrace that willingly, and there may be others who will say, "I didn't, you know, I I, I want a little dabble, do you Christianity? Yeah. I'm not I'm not in this for the yeah. whole deal." That's that is deeper than three nights of singing and preaching, folks. <laughs> the product of of real revival. And so let me ask you this, just and this will be the last thing uh, about what, what does Scripture say about revival and awakenings in the last days, and what should we expect? What should we uh, keep a watchful eye for? 
Uh, like just maybe just take a second and speak to that because obviously uh, I think for those of us who read our Bibles and, and we've read some of the passages, we recognize that there is going to be an outpouring in the quote-unquote last days. And uh, so what do you think that looks like? Yeah, I do believe that uh, there will be one, um, at least one last, if we are indeed in last days. Of course, Paul said he was in last days, and that was 2,000 years ago. So assuming, though, now is the time and now is the season, I do believe, though, there will be another outpouring um, of God's Spirit. And what will that look like? I believe that God will have his way. He will have what he wants. And uh, his heart is that all men might come to know him, that all would come unto repentance, and whatever that revival or outpouring looks like, I, th- there are several things I know that's the last one will yeah, be. It yeah. will be a call to repentance. That yeah. word will, will find a featured place uh, in, that, in that outpouring. Repentance, conversion is going to be another word. In other words, this, the, the decisional stuff, I, I know you, we make decisions, yeah. but decisions have to lead to conversion. Yeah. And that's going to be another feature of it. And, and it's going to solicit probably people and uh, groups that we've never even considered uh, that might actually be responsive to it. The, wow. the book of the Revelation says that there will be a number no man can number that will be around the throne. And uh, no matter whether you're a Reformed uh, Calvinist or whether you're a Wesleyan Arminian, here, here, here's the thing I know, mm-hmm. is that God has his crosshairs on untold numbers yeah. of people. People sometimes think election means small, you know, like it's just a, a small few. Right, I, right. I've come to the conclusion that God is going to have a family that's going to be, a, well, a number no man can number. Yeah, just like he told Abraham, yeah. And, and so I, I can't even throw a number on it except to say this, that I believe there's going to be an ingathering of unprecedented proportion in these end days. But it's going to come to those that are fervent and passionate, and he's going to... Uh, He's going to esteem, wherever he works that way, he's going to esteem it as a place that is being biblically faithful, scripturally faithful to his will and his work. So yeah. those are just some... That's good. Hopefully, uh, if you're listening right now, wherever you... If, if you're like, we've kind of joked, if you're young, if you're old, you're on the front nine, you're on the back nine of ministry, uh, hopefully today's conversation on the idea of revival, just with these few minutes that we've had, hopefully it stirred some thoughts. In you, hopefully, it's it's helped us, uh, especially those of us who might be uh, younger uh, in, in ministry. Hopefully, it's helped you understand that the word is 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 deeper. It's bigger uh, than just maybe sometimes how we want to put it on uh, an event that we schedule on the calendar. Uh, it's it's bigger than that. It's deeper than that. It's more spiritual than that. There's 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 fruit that ought last beyond just those few days of services. And, uh, and it's a God-given term, and it's something unique that he does in his body. And then, of course, an awakening, as we've already mentioned, can spur out of that where non-believers are coming into the faith, and it's affecting regions and communities and cities. And, uh, and so, anyway, so we wanted to talk about it today. It kind of came up as we were preparing uh, because we just see it being used maybe more and more now. Like we said before, it kind of like went away for a while. I, I think it was one of those churchy words that people were, you know, there was a season, I think, of of church when I was growing up where it was like, let's get away from churchy terminology. I think in that season, that's when we started seeing, this just came to me, it's when we started uh, seeing churches even drop the word church and just put like, 
worship center. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. like we just like right. w- whatever your city name was, and then worship center. It's yeah. and and it was in that whole season of let's drop churchy language in an effort to maybe see more non-believers come into the church. But some of the the good churchy language is coming back now, and revival and awakening were a couple of those terms, and so we wanted to talk about it today. So anyways, hopefully you've enjoyed uh, today's conversation on the Baird and Baird podcast. Uh, continue to follow uh, Dr. Baird, my dad, and myself on social media, and uh, even on Facebook, you could you could find a page for this podcast on Facebook, uh, and uh, hopefully it's an encouragement. Comment to us on social media. Let us know the episodes you've watched. Uh, if you have questions, let us know your questions. Maybe you know we'll get to questions in future episodes, but we really appreciate you listening. We'd obviously be so appreciative uh, if you would uh, share this with your friends, other pastors and leaders, if it's been helpful, uh, and if it's stirred up thoughts in you, share it with some other people, and uh, and hopefully it'll be a blessing and an encouragement to them as well, as we just talk about a variety of topics. And so thanks again, Dad, uh, for sharing a lot of great stuff today on Revival, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Bear to Bear podcast. 